Hi guys, this is Paul Konchesky and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Fun and Focus podcast. My name is Matt Boisclair and sweet Caroline, good times never seem so good. Fulham absolutely hammered Reading at the Badesky Stadium this evening as two goals from Tom Kearney and two from Mitro saw us propel up to fourth in the league, just two points behind the leaders. We'll be looking back at the game and ahead to Saturday's match with Charlton at the Cottage in just a moment. Joining me to do just that, firstly, is a man with Margate's dreamland on his doorstep. His Sunday league team were in dreamland themselves as they smashed their way into the next round of the Cup with a 4-2 victory over Shepherdswell Spartans on Sunday. But you'll be delighted to know they still haven't picked up any points in the league yet. <laughs> it's Moncton FC's number one himself, Stato Matasa. How you doing, mate? Hello, you high. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Also joining me is a man who hails all the way from Atlanta, Georgia in the US of A. When I googled Atlanta, the People Also Ask section showed... Is Atlanta, Georgia safe? And is Atlanta a dangerous city? He's a man who never plays it safe and epitomises the word dangerous. It's dangerous Don Love, live from the hood. Hello, mate. You know, I'm always scared when you introduce me as to what you might say. (laughs) They're getting more and more ridiculous. Right, Okay. Um, Let's look back at the Reading game then. Fulham. Scott Parker rung the changes this evening. And there were some surprises as Harrison Reed was dropped to the bench in place of Harry Arter. Reed may be annoyed, but we do have three games in a week, and perhaps that was the thinking behind Dennis Adoy starting in place of Stephen Sessignon and Bobby Reed starting on the left of a front three in place of Cavalero too. Had this game not been such a big win, maybe we'd have been questioning these changes, but hard to criticize them, isn't it, Don? I, I think he got spot on, you know. I, I wanted to see some players rested for the weekend because I think, you know, Charlton's going to be a big game, a big game for us. And, and you know, it's actually, I think Charlton, I think you guys would call it a six-point game, right? You know, uh, we don't want just the three points. We want to make sure they don't get any points. So I, I was fine with how he did the lineup. Absolutely fine. I think before the game, I was a little bit like, think of, that that was a surprise. I wasn't expecting Harrison Reed to be dropped after the performances he's put in recently. I was surprised to see Stephen Sess not in the team and probably surprised to see Cavalero drop, although we have been crying out for Bobby Reed to start. Uh, Stasso, what did you think of the changes? Uh, so, yeah, um, obviously before the game, looking at the starting eleven, I thought uh, that there would be some changes. You know, it's a midweek game. Rotation is kind of key to succeeding in the championship. Um, it's a bit harsh on Harrison Reed, but you know, in the the role he plays is a very physically demanding role, running all over the pitch, defending the back line. So, you know, I'd rather have him fit and ready for Saturday against Charlton than him being fifty percent, you know, ready um, for that game. Um, likewise, I think Bobby Reed was due a start and was due to get a full ninety minutes, and I think it was either Cavalera or Knockout that would make way. Um, it's just having to be Cavalero, I think, which I think was the right decision. I think Cavalero has dipped in form a bit lately. So I think that was the right decision. Um, as for 
the right back position, I mean, Stephen Sessignon is a young 18-year-old. I don't know how much rest they need, to be honest, but Odoi is a capable replacement and in the grand scheme of things, it's all worked out. So, yeah, um, all in all, I think they are good changes. You know, you yeah. talk about Sess getting uh, uh, put to the bench, but I, I think that's not a bad thing. I know he's 18, but it's a long season and you just don't know what's going to happen uh, with teams like this who are chasing from the bottom. Somebody gets hurt and, you know, you're, you're all of a sudden scrambling. So I was fine with that. You know, I think Sess, Steph Joe being still in there, let him run crazy. He's knackered. Now he's off. He can just sit for the weekend. We've got fresh legs coming on instead with uh, Harrison Reed. You know, as far as Bobby Reed, I actually liked the experiment of seeing him on the side. And I'll tell you, what I really liked about him is he played a lot like uh, Steve, or I mean, uh, Ryan Sess used to play. If you notice, he was a lot in the box and he was trying to play kind of off and behind Mitro. So he was almost like a second striker. And if you notice, when Mitro put his goal in that one time, if he'd have missed, Bobby Reed was right there. And that's what we've been missing. I liked actually seeing that. This is why we've got a squad as well, isn't it? You know, we've, we've got a lot of games to play and it's not going to be the same team every week. Um, we try and predict the team and you, you think we've won, so we're going to keep the same team. But then when you've got three games in a week, it, it's difficult. So things need to be mixed up. Anyway, so so what we normally do when we go through the uh, the podcast is talk about things that happened in the game. And mainly the things that happened in this game was Fulham scoring. So let's talk about the goals. 13 minutes in, Joe Bryan picks the ball up on the left, pulls it back for Steph Joe, lays it off for Tom Kearney. And once again, the captain gets his left foot around it and pings the ball into the top corner. Another brilliant goal from the captain, three and three for him. Stato, what did you make of the goal? It was just classic Tom Kearney, wasn't it? Um, I think the build-up to the goal was really good. Joe Bryan, you know, in the first 10 minutes, he looked quite menacing down that left side and he was pinging balls in. And, you know, I think it was a really clever, uh, almost through ball he did to Steph Joe for the opening go. And then Steph Joe, just a nice little pullback. Kearney was there. You could see Knockout screaming for the ball on the right there. But, you know, there's only one thing going on in Kearney's mind. And it was on his left foot. And then I think we all kind of knew as soon as that was, as soon as that was going to happen, it was going to be a goal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that that's becoming Tom's bread and butter. You get him anywhere within that 20, 25 yards of the box and the ball's on his left foot and he's open like that, it's it's getting buried. And I'll tell you what, I was actually glad he took it because I've been screaming, I want to start seeing balls shot from there instead of just constantly going out wide. So kudos to him. I hope he keeps going. Forget what I said about 14 goals. He could be looking at 20 goals this season. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, well, I asked you on, um, on the pod at the weekend, didn't I? How many goals do you think he's going to get? And you said 13, 14, and what's that he's got already? Well, that's four in, in three he's got now. And he isn't he, He's that, tied, so. isn't he, with Mitro? Don't they have the same? I, no, I think, I think Mitro, Mitro's got seven. So I think, I think Tom Kearney's got, I don't know, five maybe. But either, either way, it's nice to see that the goals are being shared out and that the players are scoring. And also Matt, Matt Dom said at the weekend on, on the podcast as well that Whenever Tom Kenny gets the ball within sort of 25 yards of goal, then it, then it's a chance, and it's a good chance. And once again tonight, he's um, he's shown that with with two goals from from distance. So, and even even Danny on uh, Danny Boy from Fulham Focus, he posted out a um, a video this week, didn't he, of all of Tom Kenny's goals from outside the box. And Tom Kenny, I think, responded saying, "Let's hope for some more" or something along those lines. And he's gone and got two more tonight. So brilliant stuff. 
anyway, let, let's move on. So um, historically, this is a fixture with with um, a history of red cards. Matt Smith was sent off at the Medeski Stadium on his Fulham debut a few years ago. Um, and the last time we visited Reading, Thomas Callas was shown his marching orders in the first minute. Tonight, 20 minutes have passed before Reading's John Swift was sent off for two yellow cards. And to be honest, he probably could have been sent off for the first foul on Bobby Reed before he lunged in on Dennis Adoy. I don't think he can have too many complaints. And Reading certainly can't say that the red card changed the game it's already, as it was already Fulham all the way, wasn't it, Stato? Um, I want to say yes on that, but you know, before the red card, that Reading did have a few chances here and there um, that I think we were quite adept with dealing with. Um, I understand the right hand side of the doy there; it's a few wobbly issues. But then Swift just comes in, and the, that first chance, you know, that could have easily just been a straight red. That was just stupid from him. And then obviously five, ten minutes later, he just does another stupid thing like that when he's already on a yellow card. I mean. It, it, it just made things so much easier for us from that point onwards. Made things easier. And you say about the, the chances that Reading have, the only one I can really remember is the one that Mate had uh, after about two minutes when he was played in, but Bessinelli did well to, to deal with it. And I can't really remember, apart from apart from their goal right at the end, I can't remember Bessinelli having too much to do, to be honest. So I felt, I felt like he did everything that he should have done uh, pretty well, well once again. Well, actually, the, there was a good chance for them in the second half. Uh, if you recall, uh, I think it was Tim got lost or slipped and that uh, let the yes. player go off on his own. And it basically was just, you know, uh, him and I forget who was in front of him. Uh, uh, he slammed the ball, actually. No, actually, it was somebody else who gave it away because the guy was off and, and on the run. He and, and it actually shows that. Fulham is susceptible to the counterattack, th- this particular breakaway. But the guy took off. I think he slammed it into Reem trying to find like a handball. You know, he was definitely looking for it. Uh, so I think that was Wilson in the way. That was, was it? Okay. Yeah. So r- 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 I will say Betts came out and he was ready, but, you know, luckily he didn't have to do anything. But there, there was a ch- that other chance where they definitely had a chance breaking away and they could have opened this up real bad. Yeah, well, I think the point is, though, that Bessinelli has looked much better in the last couple of games and, he, and he's dealt with everything that he's had to deal with. Oh, um, he's so confident. Far. Did you see him? He, the ball comes to him and he just calmly knocked it back down to uh, Mawson or whoever it was and, you know, they play it out of, out of the back. So, come on, everybody. you got to get behind Betts. He's been doing great. Well, let's just hope that that bit of, um, bit of bad form that he showed at the start of the season was just his blip for the season and he can go on and have a brilliant season now. I think, I think we'll all concur with that all right so 26 minutes have gone knockout picks up the ball on the right he's pinged it into the box and Mitro arrives right on cue to tap in with his right foot for his sixth goal of the season Mitro's back on fire and this is exactly what we've been asking for a bit of service from the wing Stato yes definitely um I think knockout he had one of his quieter games but I want to say that in a good way because, you know, normally he likes taking players on, trying to do it all himself. But this time he was actually, you know, pinging some crosses in. Um, I noticed he was he was cutting it onto his left foot a lot in this match and getting those balls in. Likewise, Brian on the left was doing the same. And it just goes to show, you know, if if you feed Mitro, you know, he 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 will get the results for you. Don, this, this isn't exactly what you were asking for on the show at the weekend. You were asking for people to go more direct through the middle, but... Actually... Keep going, keep going. I want no, to hear I, I, it. Go ahead and say was, it. Yeah. Go ahead and say it. You know, you know what I'm thinking. 
who fed the ball out there? Who who fed the ball out there? It may not have been route one down the middle, but if you watched, it was Tim Ream did a beautiful long pass. Okay. And this is one of the strengths that I love about Tim. Okay. People give him crap that, you know, he's not premier league quality. Well, in this league, I'll tell you what, he's gold and his little short passes that he picks out people, especially his long passes where he picks people out on the wing. It's kind of like route one. He just bypassed the middle and found knockout all the way out on the right-hand side. So I love it. But then knockout isn't, doesn't always have to take players on. And I know that was what you were asking for at the weekend, for people to run at players and take them on. But it's no, good to he see didn't. that knockout's putting the ball in. Exactly. And he's doing really good on the service. I, I give him full yeah. credit. A lot of his service has been spot on. Perfect. Good stuff. So three minutes after that, it's 3-0. Joe Bryan pulls the ball back and Mitro just calmly taps the ball in from about seven yards out. Seven goals for the season. Mitro is on fire, Sato. Oh, he he is, isn't he? I mean, he he hadn't scored for what, two games before and we can, we can we consider that a goal drought for Mitro. But, you know, tonight was the perfect match for him to get back on track, get a few goals and just get ready for Saturday. Um it's just a shame he couldn't get a hat-trick, to be honest. I mean, he had, he had a few chances there in the second half, but nah, we'll, we'll take we'll take a brace. We'll take a brace. And yeah, it's just good to see him scoring again. You know, another thing we were talking about at the weekend as well, it may have been Matt Don that said it, but we were talking about scoring some tap-ins, not always having to score the worldies, but creating some mm. opportunities and scoring some tap-ins. And we've done that tonight. All right, we did get a couple of worldies as well, but Mitro did, did some bread and butter as well and scored a couple of uh, close-range finishes, right place, right time. And, and, you know, that's where I was saying earlier, Bobby Reed. if you watch that uh, replay, he's like a Steve Sess. He's right there on the back corner waiting. So if Mitro misses it or the keeper fumbles it, he was there to ready to pick it up. And, and that's what you want to see is those multiple runs, not just Mitro by himself. So... Kudos to Bobby Reed. I hope we see more of that. Yeah, absolutely. So we've gone in at half time. It's 3 0 and come out in the second half. And almost immediately, Anthony Knockart gets an elbow right in the face. And then, as you do when you're 3 0 down, the Reading fans are all over uh, Knockart as if it's his fault for drawing that elbow right into his chops. And they gave him some stick for it. I thought it was probably another red card. What did you think, Stato? Potentially another red? Could have been down to nine men? Yes, definitely. But I think I think at this point, the ref just kind of felt a bit bad for Reading. You know, they were 3-0 <laughs> down, all you down to 10 men. Had a whole second half against a team that likes to pass and you know press against them. So I think maybe Reading got let off the hook a bit lightly there. Um, but in the second half, I think we kind of, we did take our, we took our foot off the gas a bit, which I'd I, I understand because there's no need to you know be as intense, but I would have liked to have seen us you know press and you know go for four, five, six goals or something. Um, but instead, we kind of just coasted through that second half in like third gear, and you know it was just a bit of a uh, non-existent half of football, to be honest. Well, you you are right. You never know. At the end of the season, your goal difference can really mean the difference. So if we'd gotten like eight goals, like could have really played into how we fall in the last bit of the season. So well, you don't want much, do you? We've just won four one. <laughs> hey, you know. <laughs> hey. Hey, if we got it, let's keep going. <laughs> I like your style, honestly. But hey, I do understand and I do think it was good that the guys could take their foot off the gas so that some of the players that you know we're not going to substitute, like Moss and Reem and different ones, maybe can have just a little bit more energy this weekend because I do think Charleston is going to be a really good challenge for us that we need to step up for. 
I think you're right. I think you're right. We'll come on to Charlton in a little while. I think that's going to be a very big game, especially now we're up to fourth as well. Um, I, I want to bring in a point about Alfie Mawson because he almost got his first goal this evening um, when his low-drilled shot was well saved by Rafael Cabral in the Reading goal. It'd be nice to see not just the centre-backs, but the whole defence chipping in with some more goals, uh, especially during those games when we only had narrow leads. So, Joe Bryan scored at the weekend, but I can't remember the last time a centre-half score for us. What do you think, Stato? It'd be good to see them chipping in, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think what, after we went 3-0 up, one thing I really wanted to see from us in this game was to us was for us to score from a corner or a set-piece, because I can't even remember the last time we scored a corner, like just, just a ball getting swung in and us scoring a header. Um, and we put a few good corners in, and indeed, Mawson did have that chance with the low-driven shot. But, you know, that would have really, you know, kind of given me a, a big reassurance that, you know, we're looking more and more like the complete package if we can score set pieces all of a sudden. Yeah, set pieces, and we will be flying. So I'm going to bring you back in now, Don. 67 minutes have gone. Mitro chases down the keeper. The keeper fails to clear the ball. It breaks to Steph Joe, who squares to Kearney. And Kearney just dinks the ball over everybody Beautiful. calmly, loops in, talk us through it. What were you thinking? Yeah, well, you know, exactly. Uh, this, again, falls to this is what I want to see more from Fulham, and they showed it a lot tonight. There were several times where instead of us just pushing it out wide, we actually lifted our head up and we looked for that trailing guy who's coming down the center of the box. and several times we found that people like Steph Joe or uh, Tom or whoever was, was open and they were waiting right there for that easy goal. And that's what we need. We don't need to be constantly trying to put the cross in hoping that somebody's going to be there to do something. So I love that Steph Joe and different ones are picking their heads up and they're looking for that other run. Can I just say a big shout out to Harry Arthur as well? Cause when the ball fell to him, and he saw the keeper out of goal. He could have easily gone for the shot himself, but he saw Kearney. He just did a simple pass and just let Tom just kind of guide it into the net. He had a great game, I thought. Really good game. He he, he kept a, a cool head tonight. He did really well in the defense of, you know, breaking up these plays. So he he was perfect. In my mind, what he did tonight was perfect. Harry Arter's a, a top player. He's made a couple of mistakes early on, and that's possibly tainted some people's opinion of him who don't know much about him. But well, well, hopefully he was sitting down at family dinner and Scott slapped him upside the head and said, listen, dude, <laughs> cool your shit or I'm getting you on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> probably exactly what happened. Yeah, cool your shit. That's that's probably exactly the conversation. All right, so uh, Joshua Onoma came on for knockout right after, right after the fourth goal, um, followed by AK Kamara coming on for Tom Kearney who passed the armband onto Mitro. No booking this time for doing that. And then Maxime Lamarchand came on for Joe Bryan not long after that. I thought they were sensible substitutions with one eye on Saturday. Don, what did you think? Any complaints? Nope. And if you noticed, uh, second half wasn't even over. And I was putting in my thoughts. And my thoughts were, you know, to bring in, uh, or I actually thought maybe rest Metro, let Metro come off, put uh, Bobby Reed up top, and bring AK in or, or, you know, Josh or somebody like that and get also uh, Tom off. And then I said for the third, you know, sub, do something like bring MLM on, but maybe take off. Uh, I was thinking, you know, take off Tim Ream. I actually think it was really smart 
taking off Joe Bryan with all the runs that he does up and down the side. So that was good, I think, to give him some extra time uh, to, to heal and rest. So I thought Scotty was spot on with, with the, uh, the subs. I, my only complaint, and this is just me, in the 50, like, seventh minute, 53rd minute, I probably would have started early and started bringing on one sub. Fair enough, and I, I like what you say about giving Joe Bryan a rest as well because he's really our only left-back. And Maxine Lamarchand can play left-back, and he did come on as, as left-back tonight, but really he's a centre-half. So, you know, Tim Ream can play left-back as well, but Joe Bryan is an excellent attacking fullback, and he's our only real option. And if we're looking forward to January, I think we probably need to bring in another, uh, another left-back who can play there. Uh, as proper backup rather than bringing on a centre-half. But anyway, Reading did pull a goal back right at the end from Mate, and it was a brilliant finish, to be honest. Bent right into the top corner. Best Nelly had no chance with it. It was somewhat undeserved, but even still, it's a shame not to come away with a clean sheet. That being said, it was a fairly faultless Fulham performance, I thought. So let's give Scott Parker a rating. I'll come to you first, Stato. What are you going to give Scott out of 10? Um, well, you know, I've, I think Scott's had his critics over the last week or so, but I think, you know, after winning against Reading and, you know, winning against uh, Wigan as well, um, he's really kind of coming through a bit, of a bit of a tough spell and I think he's got his spot on today. So I think a high high 8 out of 10. Fair play. I, I, and I, I think, I think I'm going to give him a 10. And maybe a 9.5, but I think he made some bold changes before the game, which we all kind of raised our eyebrows at. And we thought, hello, Harrison Reed. You can't drop Harrison Reed. He's been one of our best players recently. And what, you've dropped Cavalero for an away game. And Stephen says that's going to, you know, that's going to be controversial. But it's paid off for him. And we've gone away from home against a team not who not that long ago beat Cardiff 3-0 um, at the start of the season. Reading have had some bad form, okay, so far this season, and maybe they'll end up near the bottom of the league, but they still need to be beaten. And we've beaten them after making some wholesale changes to a winning team. So I'm going to go 9.5, and I think that's one of our best performances of the season, aside from Millwall. Don? I'm going to give him a 10. I you know that Danny's going to be like, God, everybody can be a 10. Okay, well, I think it was a 10 for this game for the same reasons that you mentioned. Very brave, very smart player management, rest some players because it's going to be a long season. And it does, as you said earlier, show the strength of our, our bench. So rest the players, bring in some players that we think can get the job done. Fantastic win. Unlucky for Reading. Very awesome for us that we got the, you know, they went down to 10 players and we were able to rest, you know, Tom uh, for, for the weekend. So Kudos to the way he managed the whole game and the kudos to the way he managed the players for this and what's going to be Saturday's game. We're perfectly positioned as well now. We're fourth. We haven't really put in our, our best performances throughout the course of the season so far, yet we're fourth and we're two points off the lead. And this evening's stats, we had 73% possession, 16 shots, seven on target away from home. Pretty decent performance. So great stuff. Come on, you whites. All right, let's look forward to the Charleston game on Saturday then. Fulham. All right, so Charleston came up from League One last season via the playoffs, beating Sunderland with a dramatic 94th minute winner at Wembley. And they've made a decent start to the season so far. Stasso, what do you make of Lee Bowyer, the manager? 
Um, I've got a very good friend actually who's a big Charlton fan, and they absolutely love him. Like he he's he's a God sent to them because you know they've they've gone through a, a few tough times in recent years that you know they're not really favourable with the owners and then Lee Bowie has come along and he kind of had a, he had a threadbare squad didn't have many resources and he managed to get them promoted to the championship and there's a bit of drama over the summer because he kind of left but then he didn't leave and you know he ended up staying on and he's got some financial backing from the owners now and yeah like he. He may have been a bit of a, a nasty player back in the day, um, but in terms of a manager, he seems to have done a top, top job for that team. Well, it's his first season last season as a manager. Uh, I think he started as caretaker and then took over permanently in around September and finished third and, and got promoted by the playoffs. So, and like you say, the, the club did announce he was leaving in the summer and it was it was... There was a lot of surprise. That would be like us getting promoted and announcing Slav was leaving before, you know, <laughs> before getting a chance. Um, talks broke down over a new deal, then eventually he signed a new contract the next day. But he's always been quite a controversial figure, hasn't he? Yeah, um, especially back in the playing days. I always vividly remember that he, him and Kieran Dyer having that fight when they were on the same yeah. team together um, for Newcastle against Villa. But I think as a manager, he's kind of... He's kind of mellowed out a bit. I don't think there's oh, been I don't any... Know. Did you not see what happened the other week? I can't remember who they were playing against, um, but the, the ball was in play and another ball bounced over to the Charlton dugout from the opposition dugout. And he's picked the ball up, looked over and said, does this come from you? Then he threw it back with aggression, got sent oh, off for that. it. Yeah, he launched it back and got sent off for it. And then in the interview after the game, he kind of said, well, I had to throw it back. How am I going to throw it back without throwing it with aggression? <laughs> well, you could roll it back. You know, it's, it's a ball. It will roll. Okay, so, so, I don't know, so, so, so maybe well. maybe he hasn't mellowed out a bit then. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> but, maybe not. No, yeah, like I think he's a, if, he, if he's on your team, you love him. Um, if he's, you know, against you in any capacity, yeah, he's just one of those players you just absolutely hate. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think we'll take that stance at the weekend, shall we? Yes. So you know, I, I did. I don't know anything about the guy, but I did uh, when I was googling him, trying to figure out, you know, who he, and what he is. He is he's not uh, a good person. He's not a good person to Google, Don. Be well, careful. Well, he, 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 he definitely got some interesting <laughs> uh, comments that come up about him. Uh, so you know, the uh, when I did Google him, the, the thing that I found was that he he's really a bitchy little whiny guy he was really complaining that we've got an extra 24 hours to get ready for this game and so he's complaining that he's coming off a Wednesday game and then he's got to try and prepare for uh what he considers us to be a real challenge and he doesn't have enough time to get ready so hey too too bad you know that's the luck of the draw with the fixtures and that's the championship it's not an easy division buck up and deal with it yeah, exactly. Boo-hoo, Lee Bowyer. So like you say, before they come to the cottage on Saturday, they've got a tough game at home to Swansea on Wednesday night. Swansea have made a decent start to their second season in the Championship. For fun, let's have a quick score prediction of Charlton versus Swansea for those people who are going to listen to this on Wednesday. Stato, over to you first. Charlton, Swansea? 1-0. Uh, nice. And Don? 8-0? I don't know, I I know how much you like I, an 8-0. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say 2-1. Two, two to Swansea. Oh, and away win. Yeah, let's 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 go for let's go for a three nil Swansea. Let's hope Charlton are just going to capitulate and drop down like a stone, and then we can just pick them off on on Saturday. That'd be nice. Well, All you right, know, if we're so... lucky, they're they're already if we're lucky, they're already missing some players. I think uh, I don't remember the players are going to be missing or or hurt or whatever. Maybe they'll get a red card and one of their vital players will be out. 
That's the spirit, mate. Yeah, a couple <laughs> of injuries as well, maybe. <laughs> you, you never, hey, roll of the dice. Let's let's see what we can get. <laughs> well, they tend to play a four-one-two-one-two according to Stato, and they like playing with width. Do you think this plays into our hands, Stato, as we like to get it out wide, or should we approach this with a bit of caution? I think we should definitely approach this match with caution. Um, Chelsea are very much punching above their weight at the moment. You know, they're a newly promoted side that are up there with you know teams you know, like us, like West Brom. They they beat Leeds at the weekend, and you know now got a tough game against Swansea, and you know how that's going to go. Um, so definitely, it's, it's a game we should definitely approach with a lot of caution. We didn't shouldn't they, just didn't go they in beat there. Leeds with like next to no possession though? Yeah, twenty um, something percent possession. They really rode their luck. Yeah, and um, I think their average possession this year has been um, 46% possession has been that average so far this year. So they're very much a team that, you know, very comfortable without the ball, um, as opposed to us. And we like to have our, we like to have lots of possession and lots of passing. Um, they seem to be a team that can kind of absorb all of that and kind of get us on the counter-attack with that width. Um, so some, definitely something to kind of... Uh, be cautious about. So when you guys looked up, Stato, did you, did you notice for sure they, that they're playing wide with this formation and not narrow? Yeah, so um, the website I use for this, whoscored.com, um, it says that for six of their nine games so far, they've been using a 4-1-2-1-2 formation. And looking at the diagram, it's more of a narrow 4-1-2-1-2. That um, would make however, more sense to me. Because that means looked, they're going to really pack that midfield in, and that's where they can sit and absorb, you know, what we've got coming at them, trying to break them down. So, the, the you know, the weakness of that, if they play narrow, then we, with our width, could hopefully break them down the sides. Okay, and we'll be really important that we're whipping the balls in on target, you know, for for Metro or whoever's in the box. If they play wide. We could also really break them down because that means they've usually only got one center back. And if they've only got the one center back and we're throwing Metro at him, he could really be a handful for them. And this this really could undo them. So I I I don't mind that they're playing this formation and I could see it playing into our hands and our strengths. Well, that brings us on to the Fulham lineup then. It's going to be a difficult one to predict, uh, especially after the changes at Reading this evening. But Stato... What do you um, think is going to happen with the lineup? Go on. I would expect uh, Stephen Sess to come back in a right back. Um, same back four as usual. Midfield will be the interesting one. Obviously, Art has had a very good game um, tonight. Steph Joe's been playing well the last two games, and that's as has Harrison Reed. Um, so you've got three players kind of effectively. Uh, arguably, the, the entire midfield is undroppable, isn't it, at the moment? It is, and it's, it's a good problem to have, to be honest. Um, I think I would start Harrison Reed, um, just because his performances of late have, you know, do merit a start. And I'd probably I'd go with Steph Joe alongside him because they did they both played very well together on Saturday, and you know, I'd like to see that continue. I, I do kind of a different. Uh, to me, this goes back to I really want to see Scotty continue with good player management because it's a long season, so. Steph Joe got a little bit of a knock there in the second, towards the end of the second half. Let's rest him on Saturday. Let's bring uh, Harrison Reed back in. Let him play. Let Otter play. Uh, Harry play the uh, kind of holding midfielder, break everything up, make sure nothing comes back at us. 
So for my midfield, it's Reed Reed and Tom. Uh, Ivan out on the wing again. Uh, Bobby's back on the bench and uh, Knockhart back out on the other side. The only thing we have with that is that when Reed and Arta played together last time, that was in the Cardiff game and it didn't kind of, it wasn't as effective as other combinations. Um, we kind of had Arta playing the the Steph Jovo and that didn't really work as well as we thought it would. Um, so that's the only reservation I'd have about that. What is quite clear at the moment is we still don't know what our best three are in the middle. Um, like I said, everybody's playing well at the moment and they're all almost undroppable. So it's just finding the right combination and what works the best. And I think you're probably right, Stato, in that Steph Joe is probably one of our better players who complements the way that Kearney and Arter or Kearney and Reed play. So we'll see anyway. We'll see how it works out. But but you both think that Bobby Reed will be back on the bench and Caballero will be back for this one. Yeah. Yeah, I do. probably. Or, okay. I mean, that, what, what, in my mind, why else, you know, rest Ivan? You know, to me, uh, Ivan's not been that bad, you know, to mm. completely drop him. So I know some people. Oh, it was de- it definitely, he definitely wasn't dropped tonight. That was, that was, that's, a, that's my thought was he was being rested. Yeah, I think so. I think so because we've got a lot of games this week. Yeah. I'll definitely, agree. I'll definitely see Cavallero start, but then we could potentially see Knockout get dropped for, um, Bobby Reed, or I don't want to say dropped, maybe replaced with Reed because Knockout's played this midweek or something. I could see that because if you watch, Bobby swapped sides when, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Josh came on. Mm. Yeah, he did. He did. All right, let's look at the stats then, which, as always, Stato lovingly prepares. So, Fulham and Charlton have met 70 times in total with Fulham winning 25 and Charlton winning 22. So we're fairly well evenly matched. Fulham have won four of the last eight meetings. The last home win for Fulham against Charlton was the last time we played them at the Cottage. That was a 3-0 win when Tom Kearney scored a brace, as he did this evening, and Michael Maddell scored a rare goal. Uh, We've been undefeated at home to Charlton since April 1986. So that bodes quite well, I guess. Touch wood. Uh, Ex-players for both sides. We've got Neil Etheridge, Emmanuel Frimpong, David Button, the well-travelled David Button, Tony Warner, Elliot Omazuzi, Harry Arter, obviously who's in the team at the moment, Hamabuatsa, Scott Parker, the Fulham manager, Darren Bent, the less said about him, the better, Alexi Smertin, Danny Murphy, Fulham legend, Michael Turner, Paul Koncheski, Klaus Jensen, and of course, Darren Prattley, who still plays for them at the moment. Um, he came for our youth team and played some games early on in his career. Um, Charlton have played nine games this season. They've won five, drawn two and lost two. They scored 12 goals and conceded eight. They have three clean sheets and only one clean sheet away from home. Last season, they had a 43% win rate on routes to being promoted via the playoffs. They had eight clean sheets in League One. They conceded 25 goals in 23 games, and they scored 32. And Lyle Taylor scored 21 goals last season, but he won't be playing this weekend because he's got a long-term injury. He's picked up a ligament injury. So with all this in mind, you've got all the facts now, guys. Don, what's the score going to be? 
I think it's going to be a tough game, but I still think we're going to pull it off. I'm still going to go with 2-1. Oh, you think it's going to be tight. All right. And Stato, what do you think? Um, I don't want to see what happened last time we played midweek. Um, so obviously last time we played midweek, we beat Millwall 4-0. And then the following weekend, we lost to Nottingham Forest at home. I don't want to see that again. Um, I don't want us to be complacent like that. And I think the players would have learned their lessons from last time. Um, so I really want to see a 3-1 win for Fulham. Yeah, I think we're going to win this one as well. I think we'll be well rested. I think that, as you guys have said, we'll bring some of the players that have been rested back into the fold. Um, I think we're going to win this one comfortably. I think we're going to hammer them. I'm going to go 4 0. Let's do them. Let's do them. Why not? Honestly, I think Charlton have got a couple of injuries to key players. They made a good start to the season, but I can't see them being anywhere near the top six at the end of the season. I think they drop down, they'll be bottom half of the table. Lee Bowyer, he's a, an, an untried manager. He got lucky last season. So I think this will be the start of their decline. They'll they'll lose at home to Swansea tomorrow night and then we'll pick them off as well. So I that's like what it. I think is going to happen. I like yeah. it. I think that's, that'll be what happens. And if I'm wrong, then half of the cause, I always am. There we go. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks to you both for joining me. And as always, thanks to everybody for listening at home. We'll be back on Monday morning to look back at the Charleston game. But for now, it's time to say good night. Enjoy your week and see you soon. Cheers. 